ओम ज्ञान चिरंधस्यज्ञानंजनशलाकाय चक्षुरनीलितम येना तस्मै श्री गुरवे नमः God Maharaj is speaking to Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyakashipu is becoming extremely angry by hearing this because Hiranyakashipu thought he had everything uh, settled up everything was perfectly arranged for his enjoyment everyone in this material world is under the illusion that he's in God but Hiranyakashipu had actually made some arrangement whereby it appeared from his limited angle of knowledge to be actually true he appeared to be the controller or the king of the whole universe he had stopped the worship of lord vishnu all over the universe everything in the universe was at his disposal for his enjoyment everyone was afraid of him so prahlad really bothered him really disturbed him because prahlad didn't give a damn for hiranyakashipu that uh, he just told him look you're just a big demon you don't know anything that really bothered hiranyakashipu because he thought well i know everything i'm in control no one's better than me so when hiranyakashipu asked well where did you get this knowledge of krishna consciousness from prahlad more or less told him well it's not even worth your asking you can't understand all these things uh, not by your own endeavor not by the endeavors of others not by speaking in big conferences you can't understand you've got the wrong goal of life you're completely in the darkness you're going to hell because you never smeared your body with the dust from the lotus feet of a devotee there's no way you can understand so there's not even it's not even worth me trying to explain to you so hiranyakashipu he wasn't used to be calling a fool which he was actually even though he was very superficially very intelligent and powerful but because he didn't know that the goal of life natividu swargatin hi vishnu mr srinath krishna therefore he was counted as a fool and a great demon but it's very nice for us because we got these nice instructions from palad maharaj often the adverse situation brings out something good just like devotees they sometimes put into great difficulty by krishna just to show how wonderful is their character palad maharaj is a great example how in the greatest of difficulties he simply went on remembering krishna without disturbance similarly uh, even this mayavad has been preached in one sense that's has some purpose also because we're in this material world because we don't recognize the supremacy of krishna the supreme personality of godhead everyone in this world in, in this material world is a mayavadi either directly or latent So when Mayavad is spoken and the devotees uh, they preach very very strongly against it and establish by logic by reason by shastra by everything that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead all the great commentaries by the acharyas uh, they are replying especially to all wrong philosophies but especially to the wrong philosophy of Shankaracharya that the supreme absolute truth is impersonal so out of Hiranyakashipu's uh envy of prahlad maharaj have come these wonderful instructions which guide us away from the wrong path and onto the right path the right path is the path back home back to godhead and the wrong path is andhaya thandai rupaniya manas te pisha tantram urudamni badha that was explained yesterday for the blind following the blind becoming more and more tightly bound in material life so prahlad maharaj was explaining what not to do uh First of all he was saying matiya nakrishna those whose mind is not attracted to krishna now he's giving the idea how to become same thing arukrama angrimati how to have the mind attracted to krishna the answer is one has to go through the via medium the mahat the great devotees and not only one has to see them sometimes people are very interested i will see the devotee going for darshan we will see him but here prahlad maharaj recommends something which sounds quite extreme 
take the dust of the lotus feet of the devotee and smear it all over your body. So what is the meaning of this? The meaning is one has to put oneself in the most humble position before the Mahatma. That means not only physically smearing the dust, but taking that position on the lowest. Of course, that uh, taking the dust of the lotus feet is also an important part of devotional service. Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami especially has recommended it very strongly. Mm, what is that? Vaishnav Pada Dhuliya, Vaishnav Pada Jal, Vaishnav Charantan, Vaishnav Bhukta Shesh, Itine Mahabal, Itin Hoite Krishna Prema Hoi, Baba Shastra Fukariya Khoi. He says that three things, they are very important. He says, the dust from the lotus feet of devotees, the water which has washed their feet, and the remnants of their food, these all have uh, great power. Because by serving these three, 18, Hoite, Krishna, love of Krishna can be developed. And he says that the Shastras, they again and again repeatedly and affirmatively state this. Emphatically state this. So that is very much a tradition in Bengal, that uh, people, they like to take the dust of the lotus feet of devotees. Uh, if one wants to express his humility before a devotee, he'll touch the feet and put the finger to his tongue. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu returned to Bengal after taking sannyas, all the people, they realized, oh, our Nimai, he is such a great person. For so many people, they were blaspheming him, or they didn't care for him. But when he took sannyas, they thought, oh, uh, Nimai Pandit. Actually, he was such a great person. We uh, we misjudged him. So when he came back to Bengal, they were all very anxious to be forgiven. And wherever he went, wherever he put his feet, the people would immediately jump and catch this dust and smear it all over his body and take it home in big pots. So wherever he went, there were big holes. You could find out where is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Just It just looks like the uh, Bosnian minefield. So even today, it's like that in Bengal, if you go you'll find people are very anxious to touch your feet. In Orissa also, the culture in Orissa and Bengal is almost the same. Prabhupada told one devotee, he was sent him to preach in Orissa. He said, if you learn Oriya and preach, thousands of people will come to touch your feet. So if you have any desire to have your feet touched, if you, if you like to be a big guru, you can go to Bengal, Orissa, all these places. And even if you don't want to be a big guru, if you go there to preach, then you'll find so many people coming to touch your feet. And even if you want to avoid it, you can't, because you're outnumbered. And because? Yeah, there's too many. There's, you come to a village and there's hundreds of people waiting. And you can't stop them. I mean, you can, you can tell them, but they won't stop. They'll come. Nice. So even in Mayapur once, Prabhupada was instructing about this. Because in his uh, purport, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Prabhupada writes that one should not allow anyone to touch the feet unless they are initiated devotees. Because there is a... Uh, one has to take the karma, at least to some extent. So, d devotees, they were coming to Mayapur festival and there are all the villagers from all over Bengal coming and jumping to touch their feet. So, devotees were running away and shouting at the people, Hey, leave me alone! So, Prabhupada in one lecture, he told, Let them touch your feet. They've come here for that. That way they'll become pious. And as they've come to touch the feet of the Vaishnavas, let them do it. So that was Prabhupada's instruction at that festival. Yeah. Now one should not think that, oh, I'm a great devotee, let me give out my dust. Everyone can, everyone can be benefited. You see some sadhus, so-called sadhus in India, they sit for darshan with their feet stretched out. That <laughs> everyone will come and they can take whatever benefit there is from touching the lotus feet of a mayavadi. Once I saw Prabhupada, he was coming back from morning walk in Vrindavan. And one 
Indian gentleman was waiting for him. Uh, just as he came into the Krishna Balaram Mandir at the front gate, the man made a rush for it. And he came to touch Prabhupada's feet. So I thought Prabhupada or his devotees who were with him might stop him. Prabhupada just stopped. The man touched his feet and uh-huh. stood up as if he wanted to say something to Prabhupada. Prabhupada looked at him to say, all right, that's enough. And he went inside uh-huh. to take darshan of Shishi Gornitai, Krishna Balaram, Radha Shamsundalalita and Vishakha. So the general principle is that a devotee, he doesn't want to uh, advertise, I'm a great devotee. Prabhupada certainly didn't do that. You see, all these people, they went from India to the West and they made themselves famous. You'll find, uh, just like someone has asked you about Chinmoy, people know, in a, it's not that well known, but if anyone knows, they know his name. They don't know what he's talking about, but they've heard of his name. And there are so many, this so-called Yogi Mahesh and another so-called Guru Maharaji. They made their, they made their own name famous or infamous. What? Infamous means famous in a bad way. Apayash. In Sanskrit also, yash means fame and apayash means infamy. Anyway, mm. you need tissue paper? I got some tissue. I didn't bring any. Yeah. So, um, Prabhupada, he made Hare Krishna movement famous. Everyone heard of Krishna, but very few people heard of Prabhupada. Of course, in India, people got to know about Prabhupada. Because in India, they have the culture that the Guru should be respected. But in the Western countries, still now, most people, they don't, they didn't hear of Prabhupada, though everyone knows Krishna. So a devotee doesn't advertise himself that I am so great. But still, uh, it is his duty to guide his disciples. And uh, in guiding them, he has to teach that what is the position of Guru also. Sakshad dharitvena samasta shastra uktas tatha bhavyata eva sadhvi. Kintu prabhu ya priya eva tasya. guru shicharanaravindam. The spiritual master is to be respected as much as the Supreme Lord because he is a very confidential servitor of the Supreme Lord. This is declared in all the scriptures. At his Vyasa Puja ceremony in 1935, I think it was, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur explained this position. He said that people who are coming, they may see me sitting on this big seat and they may think, what is this big animal? Just like an exhibit from the zoo. He's sitting on a big seat and people are praising him. And he's, listen, he's listening to it very attentively. He's not even protesting. He's agreeing with everything they say. How arrogant! Did you ever see such arrogance and pride? So Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, so what should be my reply to such an observation. He said that I readily admit that I'm the vilest, lowest, most despicable person that was ever born within this Brahmanda, this uh, uh, universe created by Lord Brahma. But still, somehow or other, I've been fortunate to get the lotus feet dust of my spiritual master and put it on my head. And my spiritual master, the representative of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, has given me an instruction. That instruction is, wherever you go, whoever you meet, instruct them in the science of Krishna, and this way become a guru and deliver the land. So I am a servant of my spiritual master. I am not a servant of the sophists of this material world. I am not a servant of the... so-called sophisticated people of this material uh, world. I'm not a servant of the politicians, of the educationalists, of the scientists, of the businessmen. I'm a servant of my guru and he has instructed me to continue the discipline succession. So my duty is to instruct my disciples. Especially the spiritual master instructs the disciples in Srimad Bhagavatam. So in, instru- in instructing the Srimad Bhagavatam, 
When we come to the 11th canto, we find Lord Krishna is instructing Uddhava. And one of his instructions uh, describes the position of the Acharya. Acharyang mang vijaniyan navamanyeta karhichit namartya buddhya suyeta sarvadeva mayoguru. He says that, Lord Krishna says, that you should know that the Acharya is as good as me. You should never disrespect him in any way. You should never think him an ordinary person of this material world because he is the representative of all the demigods. Even you see, he eats, he sleeps, he passes stool and urine, all these things. But you should not think an ordinary person because he is the representative of Krishna. So Bhaktisan Sasrataka was saying that when I come to this section of Bhagavatam, should I change the meaning? Should I instead instruct my disciples that you'd better get a stick and beat the guru. No, he said, I must do my duty, that is to instruct Shastra as it is. And if Shastra says that guru must take such a position, then I must do. He said, I will not engage in such cheating as to uh, go against the Shastra. Krishna said, I must act like this, so I must act like this. Another example Prabhupada gave that uh, of a dancing girl. Now, dancing girl, of course, in the modern age, it's considered very normal that Young girls will go out and dance in disco dance and all these things. But in Vedic culture, that is considered extremely low class. Dancing girl means prostitute. No respectable girl will even show herself to an unknown man, let, let alone dance. So there are a class of girls who are like that, prostitutes, and they go and dance publicly. And men enjoy to see the movements of their bodies. Now, part of the culture is that if a girl sees a respectable man or someone that she... Uh, offers respect to, then she should cover her head with her sari veil. So if a girl comes onto the stage to dance, but then she sees, oh, there's someone I know, I respect, then she covers her head. That's ridiculous. Because she's come to dance means she's come to show off her beautiful bodily features, whatever they may be. So then why should she again try to cover herself up? Why should she show shyness and respectability when she's already in a position which is not shy or respectable? You've come to dance, dance, do it fully. The same thing, devotee, his mood is uh, considering himself very fallen and lowly. But he has to follow the order of his guru, and if guru gives the order, you be guru, then he has to do that fully. That means his main duty is to chastise his students. That's most important thing. That uh, unless he chastises them, they'll turn out very bad. That Prabhupada used to quote Chanakya Pandit. Simply to coddle. I don't know how you say that. Just to pat. Just like the child. Ah, That you shouldn't do with your student. Bahavo dosha. He says it's very bad. If you do like that, oh, you're very nice. Oh, you never get up till nine o'clock in the morning, but you're very nice. Oh, you never wear tilak or you never chant any rounds, but you're very nice. We see some devotees, when the guru comes, they're very nice. Ideal devotees. And one minute after he's gone, they're back to their normal nonsense. So that is not sincere. So the Guru, his duty is to find out the fault of the disciple and chastise him. Prabhupada told that, my duty, even if you have no fault, I'll chastise you. It's good for you. That even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there's no fault in him. How is it possible? But his Guru performed his duty when he came. He said, I'd like to take initiation from you. All right. All right, now you're initiated. Now I'll start to instruct you. The yeah. first thing you should understand, you're a complete fool. You don't know anything. If you think I'm going to teach you the Vedanta Sutra, forget it. You don't have any brains to understand Vedanta Sutra. Well, Who do you think you are anyway? Just chant Hare Krishna. That's good for you. So, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but he took such chastisement from his guru. 
So this is the real meaning. You cover your body with dust or the lotus feet of a devotee. Prabhupada, he didn't, uh, of course, it stated in Shastra, Prabhupada didn't make that part of our program. That uh, just how so we have Mangalati, Tulsiati, Japa, then uh, covering ourselves in dust of devotees. He didn't. But the real thing, that means to show submission. It's like in Bengal, so many people come to touch your feet. So sometimes I would say to them, touch feet, bow down. That's very good culture. That is culture. But unfortunately, the culture is there, but the proper teaching has not been there. Therefore, even though that very nice culture is there, it's all mixed up with wrong ideas. And you'll find that in, especially in East Bengal, people, they chant Hare Krishna, they have tilak, they have tulsi neck beads, but they also eat fish and they smoke and so many funny things. But still the culture is there, that is very good. It's better than uh, the eat meat, drink wine culture, no doubt, much better. So anyway, so many people would come, Sometimes they'd be walking 15 oh. kilometers just to come. So if they want to come and touch your feet, you can hardly say. It's very difficult to say no. So anyway, they're bowing down. Then I'd ask them, Only. so you're bowing down. That's very humble. That's very nice. But are you willing to take some instruction from me? You're bowing down. That shows humility. But will you? T are you humble enough to take the instruction? So mostly they'd say yes, a little nervously. So I'd tell them, you stop eating fish. Stop smoking. And you chant Hare Krishna Maha Mantra at least 16 Ah, uh, well, they didn't, they mostly didn't agree. They didn't protest, but they, they, they expressed their inability. I'll try. So anyway, the real humility means not a big, big display of humility. Oh, I'm the most fallen. No, no, I'm the most fallen. No, no, I'm really the most fallen. We don't have time to have such a conversation. We have service to do. All right, you're the most fallen. Take this brush and sweep the floor. Simply to say, I'm the most fallen, uh, that's also what in uh, in perverted Bengali Vaishnava culture, it's like a kind of competition to, to see who can make the biggest show of being humble. But real humility means to follow the instructions. Mm. So we should be uh, very careful not to imitate this kind of sahajya culture. But we should be actually humble by taking the orders of our spiritual master on our head. Acharya. Not imitate. Anusharan, Anukaran. There are two words in Sanskrit which sound very similar. Anusharan means to follow in the footsteps. That means to follow in the instructions and to try to emulate their ideal example. And Anukaran means a imitation. Just like, I remember there's one devotee who used to imitate Prabhupada's way of chanting. As if by imitating that sound, that would automatically make his chanting as potent as Prabhupada's. Or some devotees they used to imitate Prabhupada's way of walking. Yeah, his head in the air like this. But that is imitation. That's not the real thing. Following in the footsteps, humbly, that is required. This is the method to get all transcendental knowledge. That's why we can boldly say that anyone who has taken to Krishna consciousness, he is more learned than anyone, even big PhD, Nobel Prize winner, whatever. Because he knows the essential truths. What are those essential truths? We are not this body. We are eternal spirit soul. Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. We are his eternal servants. Therefore, we should serve him and prepare ourselves to go back home, back to Godhead, to Krishna. And the most important method of the basis of all service is the chanting of the holy names. Sometimes people in India, they're surprised. They see our devotees. That, uh, how have you got such wonderful knowledge? We'll simply speak to them. You're not this body. You have to surrender to Krishna. They're amazed. Mm. Oh, such high philosophy you're speaking. Actually, it is. This is the highest philosophy. And mostly people in India, even though they have some culture and uh, 
maybe a few of them still have some knowledge of Shastra, but they don't, uh, they don't come to such a high platform because they don't have the mercy of the gurus in Parampara. They have some bogus guru who teaches them all the wrong thing. And those who are devotees, maybe in Gorya Sampradaya or Sri Sampradaya or whatever, when they hear this, they're very happy and they're also very surprised. That how, how could you have got such wonderful knowledge that you're born in the Western countries and you're brought up in such an ignorant way with no Vedic culture? And here you are speaking this knowledge which so many people in India from cultured, pious backgrounds, they haven't realized. And they know what the secret is. Therefore they praise Prabhupada, what a wonderful thing he has done. That that knowledge which... Otherwise, Bahunam Janmanamante, Gyanavang Mangprapadite, Vasudeva Sarvamati, Samahatma Sudulava. That knowledge, which could not be attained in millions and millions of lifetimes, that knowledge has been given to those who are otherwise destined to go to hell for millions and millions of lifetimes. Those who are practicing austerities, study of the Vedas, pious activities, after many, many, many lifetimes, uh, if they finally get the mercy of a pure devotee, then they can understand Krishna is all in all and surrender to him. There is no question of those who are engaged in impious activities of uh, coming to such a level. Krishna says in Gita, who can be my devotees? Who are free from sinful life? Who are fixed in knowledge? Not uh, people born in Yugoslavia. Sorry, Croatia. It's not expected. Either in Yugoslavia or in Croatia or in London or in America or anywhere. Maybe in Vrindavan or Haridwar or Rishikesh or Sri Rangam. But this knowledge Prabhupada has given simply, straightforwardly, along with his mercy. Spiritual Master means he carries the mercy of the Supreme Personality of God. He has no, independently he has no mercy, but he carries the mercy of God. That means that Krishna has deposited his mercy in his agent who he sends to this world. Just like an insurance company may send its agent here and there for getting contracts. So the agent is authorized to act on behalf of the company and he can give all the benefits of the company to willing persons. So a pure devotee is an authorized representative of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and he carries the mercy of the, of the Supreme Personality. And those who are willing to take it, uh, he delivers the mercy so that they can understand Krishna. In this way, the spiritual master is benedicting the world. Therefore, uh, one cannot understand Krishna without going through the via medium of pure devotee spiritual master. It is not possible. Elsewhere in Bhagavatam, we see uh, Jarabharat saying more or less the same thing. Rahuganai tat tapasanayati More or less the same thing he says. He says, Rahugana Maharaj as Jarabharat, that how have you come to be such an advanced devotee. You look like a madman, Rahugana said to him. But when you speak, you have such realized knowledge which I never heard of before. What have you done? What was the great austerity or penances or spiritual practice that you did to attain such an elevated position? So, Jarbarat replied that, My dear sir, Rahugana Maharaj, it is not by austerity that such a position can be attained. It is not by independently studying the scriptures that such a position can be attained. It is not by mundane intelligence that such a position can be attained. Uh, it is not by performing sacrifices that such a position. It is not possible to attain this position at all unless one does one thing, unless he covers his body with the dust of the feet of the pure devotee. So this we should always remember, that Krishna consciousness means Guru and Krishna are uh, both. Yeah, we, 
naturally, if you think of Guru, you must think of Krishna. We cannot think of Krishna without the mercy of Guru. So both go on side by side. Those who have uh, accepted this path, they make rapid spiritual advancement and they go back home, back to God. Those who don't accept this path, who want to understand everything by their own mundane intelligence, they may think they know everything very nicely, but they don't know anything. For them, there's another verse in Bhagavad Gita, Ashradhana Purusha Dharmasyasya Parantapa Aprapyamam Nivaritamte Mrityu Samsara Varatmanam Those who don't have faith in this process of Krishna consciousness, for them, simply they have to remain rotating in this material world, never attaining Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Is there any question? Chapter already called The Duties of a Personal Servant. But uh, guru-disciple relationship is such a big subject that I'm intending to write another book about that at some other point in time. I'm not exactly sure when. There's so much work to do. So many books to write. We all know that's another chapter in the book. Actually, I gave a whole lecture on this in Belgrade. So that's that question answered. You can listen to the lecture. Anyway, the basic point I said is that there'll always be some kind of friction. That's natural. I can tell you frankly, I don't, I don't know if you know or not, you may be surprised, that even between our ISKCON gurus there's disagreements and so many things. But even though there's disagreement, we're united in the service of Krishna. The disagreement doesn't become so bad that uh, we set up machine guns and all this kind of thing. See, even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his Leela, you'll find there's so many things. His Gopinath Patanayak was corrupt. He was arrested by the king. And uh, Damodar Pandit, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had to send him away because he was too critical. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very upset with Jagadananda Pandit because he used to give instruction to Sanatana Goswami. And he's not supposed to do that. These are all the Leelas of the great uh, pure devotees. But the point is that wherever there are people, there will be some agreement and disagreement. This material world is a perverted reflection of the spiritual world. And even in the spiritual world, sometimes Krishna and Radharani are fighting. Sometimes Radharani's sakis, they catch all the cowherd boys and tie them up and punish them. Yes, Wait a minute, Mataji shouldn't do this to the brahmacharis. <laughs> so anyway, the point is that if that's there in the spiritual world, then it's going to be here also. So that's uh, natural. But it shouldn't come to the point where our service becomes hampered. The, the thing we're here for is to serve Guru and Krishna. So, we're not perfect and we have all different ideas and this and that. But as long as the chanting is going on, the preaching is going on, the prasadam distribution is going on, the book distribution is going on, little friction here doesn't mean very much. Now, that shouldn't be a license. You shouldn't take this as a license that everyone can simply do what they like, say what they like. Because this institution is organized with a purpose to spread the glories of Krishna's holy name. Organization means there must be uh, management, leadership, discipline, all these things. Sometimes people think, well, that's not very spiritual. But if it's in the service of Krishna, it is spiritual. And even traditionally in ashrams, the senior devotees, they uh, 
they discipline the junior devotees. It's not outside the Vedic culture. Basic principle is that we should follow the authorities. Otherwise, it becomes impossible that every time the pots have to be washed, we have to have an Ishtagoshti to find out who shall wash the pots. Just the town president, of course, there should be someone fixed to the service, but if there's not, for some reason, that person's sick or whatever, Tambran says, go wash the pots. So you just do it and then everything goes on very nice. It's very, very basic principle. <clears throat> Any other question? Sometimes uh, we take dust from the feet of devotees or some Mahaprasana from their plates. Is it uh, proper? Uh, someone was asking me about this the other day, that there's some idea that when the devotee is eating, you take the food from their plate. This is this is 100% bogus. And the general ethic... You said uh, you throw to someone? No, no, no. If if someone is taking prasad yeah. and someone comes up to their plate and takes something uh -huh. from it, uh -huh. that is not bona fide. Uh -huh. And generally the etiquette is that one doesn't take the remnants of other devotees at the same level. Mostly one should take remnant, guru remnants especially. One may, if one is very eager, also take the remnants of devotees on the same level. But you shouldn't steal it when they're eating. No, you should not. It's not a joke. You should not. And who's taking prasad, he shouldn't leave any remnants. He should eat everything. That's another principle. Guru, that's part of the culture. He may leave remnants for his disciples. That should also be distributed only among initiated devotees. Not that everyone walks in the door, you give that. That's, uh, you don't do it all the time because poor Guru is... You know, you just can't get any peace otherwise, like in Bangladesh. Uh, day, and, day and night people coming to disturb you. There may be occasion. Maybe the Asapuja day. It should be taken with permission. We may be very eager to take, but uh, devotee may not be very eager to give. So you have to work it out using your intelligence. You can follow behind that they did with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Then, any other question? Of course, he was going barefoot. Now in these western countries, a little bit cold, everyone is wearing shoes. So you may have, ah, oh, that you, you may do also, but don't imitate the Bengali sahajis. That their only business is touching feet, and they have nothing else to do, no service. That should also be done if done in a, in a mood of uh, of seriousness. That uh, one side we're talking that devotees are fighting, other side we're talking should we take the dust of the feet. So of the two, better have the last one, taking the dust of the feet. Not that you take the dust of the feet and say, ah, you rascal. Then there should be a mood of uh, great humility. And actually we should respect all the devotees. Anyone who has come to Krishna is glorious. Even they may have this or that, they may have this tendency or that tendency. But the, the, they've come to Krishna, it's glorious, wonderful. That, especially we see so many young people who are coming to join this movement. This is so so pleasing to see that the whole propaganda of materialistic society now you are enjoy 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 especially while you're young you have young body you can enjoy it but they're not interested they've come to serve krishna and restrain the senses this is wonderful you should respect that anyone who's come to krishna is wonderful you say all glories to the assembled devotees but that's what it means all glories to the assembled devotees. many other questions Positive criticism means that we want to see how Krishna's movement is going on nicely. 
we see some defect and we point it out for the betterment. Just like we see devotees coming with no tilak, so that's not very good. Make a proper atmosphere and it's not good for their own spiritual life also. So we point it out so that it may be improved. But if we're simply fault-finding, oh, this is not good, that's not good, the whole movement's not good, then uh, and what is the use of such criticism? What? Useless. Hmm. That's true. We don't need millions of suggestions. The process Prabhupada gave us is very simple and straightforward. We follow the temple program, we take prasad, and we distribute books, we distribute prasad, and we worship the deities. We don't have to change everything every ten minutes. So it's not that everyone has to agitate their brain to think, what should I suggest today? Even if you suggest, and then uh, you change something, and then someone will say, well, it was better as it was before. You know the story of the man with the donkey? No, no, that story? Well, a man was going to, on a long journey, uh, with his son and a donkey. The donkey was quite old, so he couldn't carry both the man and his son at the same time. So the man was going on the donkey, and the boy was walking along beside. So he was walking along, and then they saw someone on the path, and he said, What kind of a man are you? Your young child is walking, and you're on the donkey? So he got off the donkey and put his son on the donkey and walked yeah, himself. Right. And after some more distance, they passed another person, and he said to the boy, how can you sit on the donkey and your father is walking? Don't you know proper etiquette? So the man took the boy off the donkey and they both walked and the donkey walked without carrying anybody. Sure. And after some distance they passed another man. He said, what kind of people are you? You've got a donkey and you're both walking? So whatever you do, someone will criticize. And if you do nothing, someone will also criticize. So our basic activities are very simple. Chant Hare Krishna and go out and distribute books. Distribute prasad. Chant 16 rounds. Get. Very simple and straightforward. And then there may be some suggestion also. But it's not like I say, we don't have to make a suggestion box and we have to make a bigger one and a bigger one. And okay. everyone simply said, Prabhu, uh, could you go out and distribute books? No, I'm writing my suggestion. <laughs> so you should have uh, two hours' time for reading every day and two hours' time for writing suggestions. We don't need so many suggestions. Good suggestion is everyone should come to the temple program. Everyone should engage fully in devotional service. Everyone should chant Hare Krishna and be happy. That's Prabhupada's instruction. Prabhupada said, chant Hare Krishna and be happy. So 